The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. No Eric Scopel on the show today. He's still on vacation, but we still have the mailbag. I did get some questions on Twitter using the hashtag Autzen Audibles. Also on duckterritory.com. We had some people DM questions. We had some people... Actually, one person, one of my buddies actually texted me in case I needed some questions. He was a little concerned, so I appreciate that. Uh, but we got plenty of questions on the show, uh, actually so much so that I'm probably going to record a second one for next week, this weekend, because we've got so many good questions to dive into. But first, let's dive right into this. Uh, first question comes from King K1, wide receiver wish list. This is a very easy very simple cut to the chase question. And I love it. Uh, who, who are the guys that Oregon would, you know, perfect wish list for me in my eyes for the ducks to land at that receiver spot in a normal year, I would think Oregon would sign four, possibly even five wide receivers. And you could legitimately argue that Oregon could sign four or five, five or four star recruits in a normal year at the receiver position for Oregon. This, unfortunately, is not a normal year because of the scholarship crunch, because of uh, the NCAA allowing every player on every roster in college football an extra year of eligibility. Uh, some seniors took advantage of it. Some seniors did not. We don't really know how that's going to factor in with the juniors and the sophomores and guys that are draft eligible and, and whatnot. You've got guys that were you know, expected to, to be seniors this season and are now possibly juniors, so you could have – like 27 scholarships open up, or you could have as few as like 14 if you're Oregon. So right now things are projecting where they're probably going to sign three wide receivers in this recruiting class. And I'll, I'll take a look at it from a, a perspective of what's realistic and the best case scenario of what's realistic. Like for instance, five-star receiver, Kevin Coleman, number two player in the position. He's high on Oregon. Okay. He, he, he likes the ducks. He plays football in Missouri He's probably going to take an official visit to Oregon. But right now, I look at it. There's no crystal balls set for anybody right there. Um, but you look at this and you think, okay, you got Florida State, you got Alabama, you got Arizona State, you got Oregon, you got Texas. I think Oregon could, could land him. It would not be the biggest surprise in the world if Oregon landed him. But I just think there's probably a little bit better options from a, from a likelihood of Oregon signing somebody than landing Kevin Coleman. Uh, Oregon's high. They're, they are in there. They are a player. They are a major player. Um, I don't know if I'll say that they are the number one school right now for Kevin Coleman, but I like Oregon's chances with some other players that are maybe just a tad 
further down the list. And the first one is uh, Teretaria McMillan from Servite High School in Southern California. He is the seventh best receiver in the country, 67th best player overall, regardless of position. He was just here for an official visit. One of uh, Tanner Bailey, uh, Oregon quarterback, commit four-star, one of his top targets to help try and Oregon uh, land this offseason. The next player on this list for me is Darius Clemens. This is a local guy, four-star receiver, 20th best receiver nationally, the number one player in the state of Oregon, 147th best player nationally, six foot three, 205 pound receiver from Westview High School, which is in the Portland uh, Beaverton area. Uh, really talented dude. Went to Auburn for an official visit. It's going to check out Penn State this weekend. I think Oregon would, would love to have Darius Clemens. He just was at campus for an unofficial visit for a half day uh, earlier this week as well. So uh, keep your eyes on Darius Clemens. I'm going to pull off Tobias Merriweather because while I think Oregon would love to have him, he's from Camas, Washington, just outside of Vancouver. Um, I don't think it's as likely as it was maybe four or five months ago that Oregon would get Tobias Merriweather. Things have, have cooled with him. He's looking to leave the area, probably land at Notre Dame, maybe back East. Uh, Oregon has, has in such, you know, with such feelings has, has started to shift their attention elsewhere. They're still recruiting him, but they're kind of seeing, Hey, it's probably unlikely he's going to stay here. Do we really want to go all in on a guy that's looking to leave when there's a guy in the same area, Darius Clemens, that's one spot behind him. That's the same type of a receiver. That's also very interested in Oregon as well. So that's kind of the shift there. And then the last one I'm going to, I'm going to discuss is a guy that just, showed up at Oregon for an official visit. And then shortly after that decommitted from Texas A&M that's track star and wide receiver star, Isaiah Setegna uh, of Fayetteville, Arkansas, the top player in the state of Arkansas, the 35th best receiver, the 226th best player, regardless of position, elite, elite speed burn track star. That's also really good at, at football. Uh, this is a guy that could be a two sports star for Oregon in track and also in football. All right, uh, Moxie Duck. Any feedback on the charity event Sunday night? Was JTT and his family able to attend? What a brilliant move by Mario Cristobal to bring in the Oregon Poly family back to town along with other high-profile ducks to let JTT know what family is all about. Does Ohio State and Bama do the same thing? Would their guys turn out for an event like this? That's a good question. Um, I think it's safe to say that uh, Alabama and Ohio State would be able to pull off something similar to this uh, if they wanted to. Uh, that, that's not going to be that big of a surprise. Now, could, could Oregon have JTT be at this charity event? He's referencing an event that Marcus Mariota put on Sunday. They weren't in town, and if they were, they probably would have not been allowed to attend uh, that's uh, probably an NCAA violation. But what we do know is athletes and former, you know, former athletes at the program, they can meet with recruits that are on campus when they're in the football facility. You know, it, it can't be a full on like 30 minute hour long session, um, but they can Hey, how you doing? I'm such and such. I played here. Yeah, this is what we did here. This is a good coach. Listen to him. Yeah, yeah. You know, they can do that quick conversation. And we do know Marcus Mariota this weekend was in town 
for and he was in the football facility. We do know Justin Herbert was in Eugene and was in the football facility. We also know that former Oregon defensive lineman, NFL uh, Pro Bowl player, Super Bowl winner, Haloti Nada was also in town, same time as JTT. We also know that DeForest Buckner, and we also know that Eric Armstead were all in town in the football facility at different points in time this week while JTT was taking his official visit. You can bet any dollar you have in your in your pocket that JTT met with those guys, got an opportunity to you know get some short you know minutes with them and just learn and, 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 and introduce themselves and get their feedback on Oregon. And Hey, if you're Oregon, you, you have three first round draft picks that are all defensive linemen. You've got multiple Polynesian players that have come through Oregon that have been first round draft picks. You've got probably the greatest player ever to play at Oregon. Who's Marcus Mariota uh, to, to be there as well. And then you've got Justin Herbert who actually knows or uh, he's met JTT before. And JTT has seen games with Herbert playing at Oregon in person. So there is that brief connection there as well. So strong move by Mario Cristobal. All right. BDC 67, similar to what another poster asked. We often hear about from recruits that it's a family atmosphere. We can all assume what that means, but in your experience, what does the staff do differently compared to other programs so that recruits get that vibe? Is it as simple as not only talking football? Yes, that's, that is a big, big, big aspect of it. A lot of players, they talk about how everyone at Oregon is, is a family. Everyone at Oregon takes the time to communicate things well. And uh, they create an environment where it's, it, the, the player is looked at as more than just a football player. He's looked at as a student athlete, a person that's going to become a young man at Oregon and, uh, the stats kind of their the, the staffs push and to give you an example of just how how they create this family atmosphere and how you're how the, the staff really hammers home to these recruits that they're more than just a football player to them uh, there was a recruit Dave Elui who is from Puyallup Washington that's just east of Tacoma uh, up in Washington he made an official visit this past weekend for Father's Day He'd been on campus before. This is not his first time. And a couple years ago, he and his family, his brother and all of his brother's family, his wife and kids, and I think uh, some grandpa and grandparents were in involved in that mix as well. That whole group, it was a big group, like 15, 20 people. They went down to Eugene to check out the program. And the, the family got to meet the staff and whatnot. Well, two years later, he's, he locks in his official visit to Oregon and Oregon staff insisted if they could make, if the family could make it work, the brother and his entire family that came down two years ago could also come down. And when they did show up, every staff member knew their names, you know, the ones that were in town at the time, could recollect back to past conversations and, and they understood, they, they remembered the kids' names and they checked in on them. And that's what players are talking about when they say family atmosphere is Oregon goes above and beyond to make it and prove it that, cause it's genuine that they look at players more than just a player that can win them football games on Saturdays. And they go, above and beyond to show to these recruits that that's truly who they are. And 
Dave, you know, mentioned it. It was clear that this wasn't a, a for show thing. That, you know, they 100% knew everything about, you know, that the staff was talking about was genuine. Um, and that's something that comes up almost every time when we talk to recruits is how genuine the staff is, how uh, the coaches are telling them, you know, do what's best for you. We think it's, it's Oregon, but if you feel like there's an opportunity, you know, at another school, you need to pounce on that before you lose that opportunity because we want what's best for you. And more often than not, that strategy pays off, and that's how Oregon has signed three straight recruiting classes. That's number one in the Pac-12. All right, Timber Jeff. Uh, next question from Timber Jeff. Pandemic football aside, what should we, the fans, expect the Oregon offense to look like with Coach Moorhead having a full offseason to install his attack? What is the optimal Jomo mix between pass run plays? How often will the QB be asked to run, designed, or RPO? And assess the level of injury risk the Jomo offense will place on a QB as a running threat. Well, I, that's a lot of questions packed into one. We'll start with the last one, level of injury risk. Well, anytime you run the quarterback, you're opening that door for an injury to the position. I, I do think it's there, but it's not going to be a situation where Oregon's going to run – the quarterback 25 times a game. I, he said that at his previous stop at Mississippi state, they had their quarterback run quite a bit, but that was by necessity because they didn't necessarily have the talent to run a, a, a pure ba balanced attack. They, they were probably a little bit better of a running team and the quarterback was probably a little bit better runner than, than pocket passer. And so that kind of necessitated them having to run the football a little bit more than what Jomo would really have ideally liked to do at Mississippi State. That's not going to be the case at Oregon. Oregon's got too much talent at the receiver position, at the tight end position, to be running Anthony Brown, whoever wins the quarterback job, 20 times a game. Could we see it where it's 10 times a game? Absolutely. I could see a scenario in that capacity. I could see a scenario where they call 20 RPO plays. But the quarterback maybe hands off nine times and gets 11 carries. I could also see a scenario where there is a game in which the quarterback at Oregon under Jomo this year runs for 25 times. But that's because what the defense is giving them, that's what's best suited for the offense. But from a pass run mix, I don't think we're going to see a ton of quarterback runs. I don't think we're going to see a ton of design QB sneaks. We'll see RPOs. Uh, the quarterback will certainly get his opportunities to run the football, but it's not going to be the bread and butter of Oregon's offense. They're too talented at receiver to have those guys be primary, you know, just run blockers. Uh, if you're, you know, this isn't going to be the Chip Kelly offense with Jeremiah Mazzoli uh, running the show. That's going to be the case. Now, that being said, a lot of formations, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, substitutions, but we're also going to see a lot of scenarios where maybe they've got two tight ends and they split them out and they've got four wide. And then the next, very next play, they, they, they go double tight and now they're playing big and that's going to create mismatches with this defense that they face uh, because of the personnel that they have. They've got options. That's the best way to describe this, this offense is there's going to be a ton of options, whether it's deep stuff down the field, whether it's going to be the immediate uh, intermediate stuff, or if it's going to be the short game cut down stuff. Uh, I, I, I expect the run pass to be pretty balanced, maybe a shade towards leaning on CJ Verdell and Travis Dye at running back until we kind of get a clear idea of 
the capabilities of Anthony Brown, but having, like you said, Timber, uh, a full off season to get everything in that, which was not afforded to the Oregon program last year should help accelerate this program's offense. And we should probably see a little bit more diverse playbook in 2021 for the Oregon Duck football program. All right. Team donkey asks, uh, you guys, have access to the program has been really limited over the last 14 months. When do you expect that to change? Will fall camp be more or less back to normal? And, and yeah, what team donkey is, is mentioning is during COVID we did not meet in person once with Mario Cristobal or any of the players or, or the athletic director, or anybody. Uh, no, everything was done through zoom. We were not allowed into football practice which we normally are done uh, are, are allowed to do during during a normal year, and it sounds like you know while the school hasn't officially announced anything, that's kind of where it's trending is getting back to what a normal off season, a normal training camp, a normal in season session will be like. I'm sure there'll still be some social distancing that'll be played into effect. Uh, we might have to. Uh, prove that we're vaccinated to get to get maybe access into the post game. Uh, press conference room or we can stay and, and do it on zoom might be a hybrid model, but I think it's going to be it from what we hear, it's going to be more normal than it was COVID 20, 2020 season, which is always a great thing because it's, it's so hard to connect with players and coaches and uh, through zoom and, and doing interviews. It's, I mean, I, I appreciate all the lengths of the school went, but you lose that kind of in-person connection to, to do interviews when it's through Zoom and through a screen. All right, last question of the day comes from Hey Duck. After Dior Johnson, does this increase our chances at landing other prospects? If so, who? If you've been sleeping under a rock the last, I don't know, 24 hours, the Oregon men's basketball program landed its second highest rated commit in program history. That is Dior Johnson from Southern California, the number three player in the country and the number one point guard in the country five-star prospect lands with the ducks he he chose oregon over a reported million dollar contract offer from the nba's g league uh for a couple of years will go to college route instead and now puts himself in a position where oregon's got a top five class potentially they're in the top seven right now or top 10 excuse me but how do they get to that top five? How do they get to the number one spot? Pretty simple here. Uh, there's a couple of guys that are going to be deciding pretty pretty quickly. I, I should say one guy, uh, Ramel Lloyd. He's a top 70 player in the country, small forward. Uh, he is from Sierra Canyon High School in, in Southern California. He is on. He, he made an official visit to Oregon. And I'll say this. I felt like maybe a month ago, he was a lock to go to Oregon. Now, probably... For whatever reason, I think things have kind of cooled off a little bit with him and the door is open for maybe Arkansas or another school to, to, to get his position. He viewed himself kind of as a as a bigger guard that could maybe facilitate other spots and we'll see what happens there. But um, Oregon's certainly in the picture. But I, I think with Dior Johnson coming to Oregon, things might cool a little bit with Ramel Lloyd. Now, let's talk about the good news. How does Oregon get there? Well, Zion Cruz, that's the one you want to name. That's the name you want to know. 
five-star player, the number 17 player in the country, the fourth best combo guard nationally, six foot five from the Patrick School in Hillside, New Jersey. Uh, this is a guy, Zion, that is really good friend, really close with Dior Johnson. They have talked a lot about wanting to play together at the college level. And Oregon is one of the, you know, the few schools that he's really high on right now. Oregon's going to go all in on Zion Cruz. He's, he, he took an official visit to Oregon in June. I'm not going to say that, that I'm going to put a crystal ball in there, but Oregon is in a really, really good spot right now for this guy. Uh, I really think that, that Oregon is in a position right now where they could come in and they could land – another five-star. And when that happens, that opens the door for you to go in and be able to, to get a top five, to get a top three recruiting class in the country. Now, a couple other guards to maybe keep track of for Oregon if Zion Cruz doesn't end up landing at Oregon. Um, I think one is Austin Nunez from Texas, six foot two from San Antonio. He's high on Oregon. Um, this is going to be a guy in which Oregon's going to be in it till the end. And then Ontario Morris is another one from Texas as well, six foot three player. Uh, he's a twenty, you know, the twenty fifth best player nationally. Just so almost, almost a five star recruit. Uh, he was another one that I think Oregon is going to be in a really good spot to be able to land. Uh, if they can't get Zion Cruz, it's right now. Priority one is Zion Cruz. Now other players that aren't guards, I would look at Khalil Ware, 6'11 pro player from Arkansas. He is a big dude. I mean, think of it like from a body, you know, from a body makeup perspective, Ware is like a Frank Kepnog that can shoot threes. He's extremely big. He looks very athletic, broad shoulders, but can move and, and run up and down the court really well and shoot threes, which is pretty tremendous uh, combination to have at that center spot. Really good shot blocker as well. 29th best player in the country, the fourth best center. I worry about Arkansas. I worry about Texas. I worry about Memphis, but he was here for an official visit. I think Oregon's going to be in a spot where they could really come in and, and steal this guy away from those schools that are local or closer to home and really make a big impact for the Oregon Ducks. Now, it's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Thank you for submitting your questions. Thank you for listening to the show. We will do another podcast next week, and I believe that will be the last one without Eric on the show uh, and for, from a mailbag perspective, and then we'll get back to our normal program. Until we talk to you then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.